0: Um, Darlene I want to thank you for that visual because um, it did give you know an accurate depiction of how we look when we're in sin our back is you know turned away from God but we think that God doesn't see us but our sin is is like a boulder you know what I mean so he does see um, so thank you for that visual I really appreciate you sharing Um, so as, as we've said tonight um we've been talking about healing these past few weeks and i know that um we've all been blessed by the teachings um and minister paul um apostle Teresa, and anyone else who wants to um see she posted a recap of pretty much like the foundational um teachings that we've been talking about um like the foundational principles of healing she posted that on the bible study um group on Facebook yesterday. So if anyone wants to um, take a look at that and kind of get a refresher of the principles that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks as it relates to healing. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get started about what I want to share with you tonight. I'm going to be brief. Um, but before I start, I just want to go over a few principles that we do agree on to make sure that we're all on the same page. Over the past few weeks we've talked about healing being an inside job it's inward it's something that starts on the inside of us and then it manifests outwardly but it has to start inside of us first we've talked about healing being the ministry of reconciliation in us back to christ and we've been given this ministry of reconciliation we talked about how Healing is available to everyone, you know, even the villain in your story, even the antagonist in your story. Healing is available to to everyone. Um, God's love does not stop where your wounds begin or at your place of offense, because healing is for that person that harmed you as well. Um, We talked about how God does honor the family unit, right? The nuclear family. We see that clearly throughout the word from old testament to new testament we see that god honors the nuclear family we see that in genesis where god establishes the first family and he gives guidelines for a man leaving his parents to be united with his wife so we do see that you know god sees the first the, the family he honors it and he wants the family to be you know a representation of him and how he loves us so we so we know that right But we also see in um, Psalm chapter 68, verse 5 to 6, where um, it talks about the psalmist is saying, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, a God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. So we know that God cares for those of us that come from broken homes. That from um, he cares for those of us that don't necessarily have the traditional family dynamic or, you know, or we didn't come from a healthy family. So he's there to fill in the gaps. He cares about those. He's acknowledged that. Right. And then we also see in the New Testament, Jesus is acknowledging a spiritual family. And from what we know, he didn't have an unhealthy relationship with his mother, his brothers, or his sisters. But we see that there is even still a need for a spiritual family. Um, Matthew 12, verse 46 to 49, it says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him who is my mother and who are my brothers pointing to his disciples? He said, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So he's referring to, you know, our brethren in the faith. So he's talking about the spiritual family that sometimes we gain after we become, you know, saved. Right. So he's acknowledging the the natural born family and the spiritual family. Um, over the course of the past few weeks, we, we learned that we can heal without an apology, without anyone ever acknowledging that they did something to us that caused us pain. You know, as long as God sees and he hears, he knows what has happened to us, and that is enough. Um, so I just want to go over those few things um, before we go into the, the stories in the Bible that I want us to look at tonight. Um, that talk about healing, and I'm hoping that we could glean a few things um, from a practical perspective tonight, and just apply it to our lives because that is the purpose of Bible study. So we're just going to look at a couple stories and um, see how we can take these principles and apply them to our lives. So, um, in John five, we learn of the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda. I think we talked about this story a lot of every time we talked about healing, we've referred. To this specific story. And um, we've talked about how our healing is not dependent on anyone else. Um, it's not dependent on anyone else's repentance, on anyone else's apology. Um, we've talked about how sometimes we're the catalyst that we're waiting on. We're sitting here waiting for other people, but sometimes it really is up to us to get our healing. Um, we've also talked about how the man may have held on to his uh disability, his sickness, um, because it he probably benefited from it and it, it became his identity. Um and Dominique, I'm gonna put you on the spot. We our conversation that we had last week, we talked about how um how 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 a sickness can become your identity or like a trauma can become your identity. And in this instance of John 5, we believe that that man may have made his sickness his identity, right? And so, our con- the conversation that we had this week, we talked about how sometimes when people say, "This is who I am," what they really mean is, "This is all I've ever known myself to be," and they conclude that there must not be anything else or anything more. So, the man held on to this portion of his, his, I, his, you know, being, and he made that his identity. That's all that that was to him. He spent 38 years sitting by this pool and he made an identity around this fact. But um, what I wanna add to this story is that the time is going to pass whether you decide to take the leap of faith or not. That 38 years is gonna happen whether you do anything or you don't do anything. The time is going to pass. And he spent 38 years waiting for the moving of the water. And some of us are spending that time, we're waiting on an apology. We're waiting on a word. We're waiting on somebody else to do something. We're waiting on a change in someone else. We're waiting just like the man was waiting on the waters to move. We spent our entire lives waiting, but the time is going to pass whether you make a decision or not, whether you decide that you want to be healed or not. So I want to encourage you uh, and everyone on this call tonight not to let that time pass us by. That healing is available to us right now. The next story that I want us to look at is um, in Mark 5. We've talked about this story too. Every time we talk about healing, um, we learn about the woman who suffered with the issue of blood. She suffered for twelve years, and there's so many things that we can glean from this story. But I just want to call out how she pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus. She had to make her way through the crowd. She was outcast from society. You know, in Jewish culture, she probably shouldn't have even been allowed outside, but she made her way. She pressed through the crowd. But what I want to share with everyone tonight is today we don't have a crowd. There's nobody that we have to press through to get to Jesus. There's no hurdles that we have to to cross. There's, There's not an obstacle course that we have to go through to get to Jesus. But the woman with the issue of blood, she was willing to do all of that back then because it was necessary but for us we don't have to do that the veil is literally torn we have access to Christ from where you're sitting right now you know you don't have to go somewhere else you don't have to to, you don't have to do anything to have access to the power of Christ to Holy Spirit and so um in Mark five, verse 34, when Christ realized that someone touched him, that power had left him, he, when he finally sees the woman who touched his the, uh, the hem of his cloak, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering. We have to pursue God at all costs, whatever it takes, we have to pursue God. And we have to go after, we have to go after God. And when I was reading the story, I was also meditating on the fact that this is why Paul's conversion was very important, because I think his conversion gave us the template for the type of access that we have now. It didn't, he, Paul didn't have an encounter with a televangelist or some big prophet, or he had a direct encounter with Christ. And that is the type of access that we have today. Um, I wanted to share a story. I remember the first time that I encountered the manifestation of Holy Spirit, I would say. I was at home. I was 17 years old. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was praying, and I had faith, I believed, and and I had an encounter with God, but I was at home. I don't even think I had a church at that time, but my home became a church that night, my home became an altar. So I just want to encourage you that you don't have to wait on a specific person or wait on some grand thing to happen. Healing is available to you today and right now from wherever you are. The next uh, passage that I want us to look at is Matthew 9, verse 35. Um, It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease. So the reason why I wanted to bring up this passage is because I am fully, fully, fully convinced that some of our healing is in direct relation to our belief systems, the way that we think, the way that we process things. Proverbs 23 verse 7 tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we've talked through that scripture um, over the course of the past few weeks. We can literally limit God by what we believe. You know, I had a situation um, recently where I was wronged. You know, somebody did something to me and I kept rehearsing in my mind what I would say to that person if I ever got the chance to to plead my case, you know, and, um, the situation, it was, it was tormenting me. It was taking up so much mental space because I just kept rehearsing over and over what I would say, you know, if I had the chance. And, to give you a visual of of what that situation was for me, it's like I was carrying like a briefcase, and in this briefcase, I had like files, like my deposition of what I would say before i before I go to the judge to just explain well this this is what I did and this is why it's not my fault, and this is how I was wronged and and the situation really haunted me and one day, I was reading an article about um and it 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 said like um if you like it was for people who were waiting on a chance to you know tell their top side of the story and it said that if the person who harmed you does not have the mental capacity to see their error how are you so sure that after you've pleaded your case that they will and the reality of it is I was rehearsing a conversation assuming that I knew how the other person would respond and in doing so I was grossly setting myself up for failure. Um, But once I came to that realization, instantly I was free. Instantly, I felt like my heart, like I felt a release in my heart. I wasn't replaying that situation over and over. So that's an example of how my mindset was keeping me bound in that situation. My mindset was keeping me from being healed because I was Holding on to, my, to that little briefcase for dear life. I was holding on to it. I refused to give it to God because I just knew once I got a chance to tell my side of the story that that's what would make the situation well. And the reality of it is my, my little briefcase can't change hearts. It's that my little briefcase can't lead anybody unto repentance. It can't make that person see my side of the story, it can't change their minds, it couldn't do anything, you know, that's up to God, that's the, the work of the Holy Spirit, but here I am carrying that burden, carrying that burden, that burden was, is not mine to carry, so I'm over here taking on the role of, of Holy Spirit, thinking that my briefcase, my, my notes, my deposition was going to change the heart of, of the person who did me wrong, and that's not the case at all. And once my understanding changed, I got free. So if we believe that our healing can only happen a certain way, or it has to look like this for me, I got healed from that situation by reading an article, right? And that changed my mind, that changed my perspective concerning the situation. It changed how I looked at it. But if we believe that our healing can only come a specific way, we quench the holy spirit we limit what god is able to do because we think we know it all and it has to it's going to come from this direction and that doesn't necessarily have to be the case when scripture tells us that we quench the holy spirit it means that we subdued or become unresponsive to the working and guidance of holy spirit we're we're getting in the way of god at this point you know we're we're getting in the way and we're not able to allow Holy Spirit to do what his job is. We limit God by what we believe. Um, throughout all the this, this, um, stories that I just shared, how many times have we seen Christ ask, do you believe that I can heal you? Do you want to be made well? A lot of times God is asking the, us that, you know, we have to believe What God says, we have to believe the word of God, the word of God supersedes everything, it trumps our experiences, it trumps how we may feel about a situation, it trumps whether we're right we're wrong, it supersedes everything so we have to stand on God's word concerning our, our experiences. Uh, concerning what we've gone through and we cannot view life from that lens we can't view life from that place of hurt we can't view life from that place of of trauma or or being wronged because it will jade the way that we see everything we have to still view our circumstances from a biblical from a godly perspective and not from our flesh from our pain from our wounds and we can't be so consumed with what we have gone through with our situation that we diminish who God is or allow what happened to us to dictate who God is. God does not change. His character is consistent. No matter what kind of life you've had, no matter what you've gone through, God does not change. He is still good. He's still powerful. He's still faithful. It does, he does not change. So the last story I want us to look at tonight is in Mark 2. This one is my favorite. Um, In Mark 2, verse 3, it says, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. The reason why this is my favorite passage for this evening is because this man's healing came by way of his friends, his community, the people who he had in his circle, the people who he had around him. And some of us have friends that are keeping us ill, that are keeping us sick. You need some friends that won't let you curse your life. You need friends around you that won't let you make negative declarations about yourself. You need friends around you that will not let you sit in your pain and rehearse the story of your life. You need friends that will push you to triumph. You need friends that will push you to victory. You need friends that will speak life over you and not death and not sadness and not pain and and sickness this man's healing came by way of his friends and i think that's so powerful they literally carried him to jesus they carried him to jesus and when they could not get through they made an opening in the roof of the house In order to get this man to Jesus, what, what is your friends? What are, what is the community? What is the people that you surround yourself with? What are they helping you to accomplish? Are they contributing to your healing or are they contributing to your pain? His healing came by way of his friends. On Sunday, we talked about James um, five or sixteen that states, "Confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that ye may be healed." And we talked about how confession is surrender, and it shows God that you see yourself. Um, I also believe that there is healing in the confession, which is what makes the friends that you have, the circle that you have, all the more important because you need friends that are a safe place for you to confess your sins that ye may be healed and for me I believe that secrets can torment you sometimes you're carrying this thing alone or like something that happened to you and nobody knows it and you're carrying it by yourself and it it can become a place of torment for you but you need to be able to release you need to be able to confess in the right environment you just can't Tell the whole world you know about what happened to you because you're opening yourself up to to more than you anticipate, but you need the right circle, the right group of friends that will uh, that you're able to you know be vulnerable with that will allow you to confess your confess your sins, confess what you've gone through, confess your hurt, confess you know the places that that are painful to you that you may be healed. And the scripture that I want to leave you guys with tonight is uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 6. It states, yet I will certainly bring health and healing to it and will indeed heal them. I will let them experience the abundance of peace and truth. When I read this, this is what healing is for me. Yet I will certainly bring health and healing to it health and healing, wholeness, restoration, yet I will certainly bring health and healing to it and will indeed heal them. I will let them experience the abundance of peace, of completeness, of safety, of soundness, of contentment, and truth, firmness, faithfulness, and stability. I will certainly bring health and healing to it and will indeed heal them. I will let them experience the abundance of peace and truth. If you're asking tonight, why are we talking about, you know, emotional healing or your mental state um, and not, you know, physical healing? I just wanted to share that God wants all of you he wants to heal all of you, not just, you know, the physical parts of you, but he wants to heal every single part of you. And the reality of it is they're intertwined. They're intertwined. We read that, you know, as a man think is, so is he. So if you have the wrong perspective of your physical condition or of the illness that the doctor said that you have, if you have the wrong perspective of that, then that's what's going to manifest, but you have to believe God's word and you have to have the right perspective, the right perspective of all aspects of your healing. If you're asking yourself, how do you deal with healing? And you're in the same environment. The answer to that is you ascend you set your mind on the things that are above. You don't consume yourself with the things that are temporal, with the things that are in front of you, but you ascend to a higher level. You tap into the peace of God. You tap into the joy of the Lord. You allow that to be your strength. You ascend. If you're asking yourself, how do you come to terms with illness when you've been been diagnosed with a terminal disease? You ascend. Who who do you believe? Or what do you believe about your condition? Do you believe that healing is available to you? Do you believe that that's who God is for you? What do you believe? And so I just want to read back Jeremiah 33, verse 6. Yet I will certainly bring health and healing to it and will indeed heal them. I will let them experience the abundance of peace and truth, and it is my prayer tonight that you will receive healing and that you would experience the abundance of peace and the truth of God in your lives, and that's all that I have for you guys tonight. I will take any questions that you guys may have, but I truly hope that you were blessed, and I truly hope that you were able to receive something, um, practical to apply to your lives. I really hope that you are strengthened and encouraged and that you have, you know, enough to get you to your next place in God. Amen. So if anyone has any questions or any feedback, I do see Michelle's hand is up. Um, We'll go ahead and um allow you guys
1: to share and we
2: can
1: have a conversation. Yes, ma'am. I enjoyed everything that you said. Um but I, I did want to ask you this and I shouldn't say but and I did want to ask you this that um when you were talking about you know being not keeping things in but being able to you know have close friends or have someone your circle with whom you can share different things to, to obtain your healing. Okay. So I know we've gone over this before, but the process of knowing who those people are, because that has been a weak point for me and many others in the body where we think we can trust and it may even be leadership. It may be whoever, you know, cause I have in the past different churches or different ministry thought I could trust you know and then you find out if they get upset with you or whatever the case may be then that's you know throwing the baby out with the bathwater because you can no longer trust him you hear your stuff all over the place so so then I guess the the operative word would also be that discernment piece I guess to know the ones to whom you can really open your heart because that can be touchy and tricky and you know it can be hurtful if it's the wrong person or wrong people.
0: Yes, you are absolutely right. Um, my suggestion is not that you just open up to, you know, everyone at every opportunity that you have that you're just spilling things out about your life it you it does require discernment um and you do need to allow Holy Spirit to show you who it is that you can confide in but a lot of times we open up too soon and we're I guess because we're in pain we're because someone shows us a listening ear we think that that means that we're supposed to just let every, let all things about ourselves be known to that person. But I do think it requires discernment to know who God ha- has sent for you, you know, for that particular purpose. But you, I mean, you answered your own question that it does require discernment.
2: May I add something, Sam? Go that ahead. Was re- that was really good. Thank you for that question. Uh, Michelle, I think that two things that I kept thinking about was the scripture says that there is safety in a multitude of counselors, and so wise counsel, I think is a great starting place when we don't necessarily know who to trust but then the question becomes who is wise counsel, which is another conversation, but I think it's um, I think it's really critical to um, Recognize that the scripture does say that in there is safety in a multitude of wise counsel, but also I think even beyond a spiritual place of discerning, I think paying attention to pattern is also very important. Um, paying attention to pattern, observing, and also depending upon the weight of what you um, may want to share maybe not starting, so, uh, and this is for, you know, just in general, not necessarily directed towards you, Michelle, but not necessarily starting um, from a deep place, like starting, see, you know, you'll you'll find out if we can trust people uh, when we start with maybe smaller things, smaller things, and just pay attention to pattern, in addition to what um, Sam and you shared about discernment. But I love it because I remember when the conservatory, whenever we, I believe there was a whole series on discernment, and we were learning about discernment as for our navigation as well. So I would strongly suggest, uh, and I'm probably going to go back and look at it too, um, it should be on the YouTube page, uh, YouTube channel for the Conservatory, but uh, we had a whole conversation many times about discernment for navigation um, as well. So wise counsel, paying attention to pattern, uh, when you share something with someone, you know, maybe sharing a little bit less than just watching and observing. Um, and then um, also, of course, the discernment piece.
1: I just wanna say, this is Apostle Johnson. I can't add anything to what they said because I think it's excellent. I just wanna say that um, sometimes we can, if friendships are